So good to be with you again. I know, man. It's been a while, huh? It's been it's been a little while. We've had a busy season. Yeah. How are uh, how's life with you? Pretty good. How about how yeah. about life with you? Busy, you know. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I always think you know, Advent's not so bad, and it's not really like, but it's busy. It is busy, and then there's you know the lead up into Christmas. And if you're printing something out of house, you gotta, you gotta get that stuff ready into the printer early. That's true. You are in fact printing stuff out of house. We are, we always do. Hi, I'm David. I'm an organist. And I'm Ian and I'm a priest. And this is all things right and musical. Yeah, Advent is um, every every year on the first Sunday of Advent. It's just such like a, a a treasure trove of of you know new things that you you've you've been waiting all year to hear. Um, all the all the good Advent hymns come back. Um, so I, I loved every minute of that on Sunday morning. Um, Sunday evening, I I went to another parish's uh, Advent service, Advent carol service, which was spectacular. Um, it was really well done. Uh, it was the Church of St. Michael and St. George here in St. Louis. Um, they do a fabulous Advent lessons and carols. I can't think of I've ever actually been before. And uh, then that night, I listened to the Advent lessons and carol service from St. John's Cambridge. And I also really look forward to that service every year. So it's just sort of a, an abundance of riches. And there, there are other Advent services that happened that same day that I still have yet to listen to. So... Yeah, it's a it's a it's a wonderful time of year for for music. It really is. What what's your favorite Advent hymn? Well, I am partial to uh, "Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending." I think well, everybody. That, that's good because that is the right answer. <laughs> I think everybody is partial <laughs> to that hymn. Um, Although, who who is it? Is it the Lutheran hymnal or the Presbyterian one that has it to um, to Land of Rest? That's not possible. You can't sing that hymn to Land of Rest, can you? Uh, I want to say that's what it is. Lo, he comes with clouds descending. Please tell me that's not true. <laughs> I maybe it's not Land of Rest, but there's somebody else has it has it to a different tune that is not good. Well, in the Episcopal book, um, it is to Saint Thomas, hymn fifty-eight. Yeah, which is like. It's clearly inferior to Helmsley. I don't. I don't think. So. Well, I mean, okay. It's. I know it's fashionable to say this, but I don't think that's true. I mean, I think you can. You can do a really convincing sing of that of those words to Saint Thomas. I'm. I'm imagining a a, a really full swell with the box closed, um, and you just do it really, really stately. I think that could be. That could be really effective. I did actually do that one year when I when I realized that we'd be singing the hymn in the morning and at our afternoon carol service. So in the morning, I decided uh-huh. to do St. Thomas, and in the evening, I decided to do Helmsley. And the reaction I got from one choir member in particular was not positive. Uh, it was basically, why would you ever, <laughs> <laughs> why would you ever sing that not to not to Helmsley? So um, yeah, we use that too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Helmsley it's so good. It's so good. Well, and a neat fact about that hymn tune i think it is the longest hymn tune that is completely diatonic it it stays completely within g major uh the melody does 
I think other melodies of that length have an accidental somewhere along the way, but that one does not. That's I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I thought you were, yeah. But, you know, there's plenty of other good hymns, too. It's um, true. Sleeper's Wake. I, I I love to play that hymn. I'm, I'm, I am an organist. It's an occupational hazard. I don't have to sing that hymn. And I think for people who have to sing it, they might find it a little bit long. It is a long hymn. It's a, t- it's a tad long, yeah. It's a tad long. Um, o Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I love, I love seeing all the different things that people do with that hymn. Because uh, I don't think anybody does it precisely the same way and did i tell you a a year ago i went through a real crisis of faith with that hymn did you i did over over the hymn itself or over its usage over the melody oh i think so i think you did tell me this yeah in in the hymnal it's just sort of written out in plain chant notation so the phrases are really long and just over the period of years, I decided no matter how quickly you take it, you can't get the congregation on board for the whole phrase. So I've actually taken to accompanying that hymn in the way that it's printed in every other hymnal I can, I've can i ever seen. Um, I think the Episcopal hymnal is pretty unique in, in using that old plain chant notation. It's actually kind of made up if you delve into the history of that melody. Um, it, it is more or less a, a 19th century melody that's kind of based on some older materials so i think i think you can make a historical case for just doing it in a metrical way um the way that you know 99 percent of denominations do it except for the episcopal church (laughs) well except for some parts of the episcopal church right right right. because because a lot of times even if you try and just plow straight through it's not happening no it's not and we record our services and i could hear i could hear on the recording you know people wanted to sing that hymn but the phrase length was just such that people could not sing to the end on a single breath the way I was having the choir do. So, yeah, yeah we we um, made the change a year ago, and I don't think I'll look back. I think um, I think it's uh, more effective in terms of congregational participation. And and so you are able to do that without changing. I mean, still pointing people toward the hymn in the hymnal. I do, and and you know, a, a corollary, like a, a small a small instance of this, I think, is the hymn "Joy to the World." Uh huh. In that hymn, you know, I would I don't know what the number would be, but a, a good number of organists would pause um, in the middle of that hymn where there's where there's not a fermata. Uh, just because that's sort of how you hear it sung a lot of the times. Um, Let earth receive her king. That that spot in the hymn is where you could you would add a fermata and a little bit of extra time. Uh-huh. That's not in the hymnal, but people people pick it up um, if you do it once. So they're they're yearning for it. <laughs> you could say that there's a certain advent yearning with both of those changes to the melodies. I mean, right? Like, how many other th- how many other points in the hymnal could you actually change something from what's printed and have people naturally fall into it? You know? Well, I mean, this is the job of the organist, though. Uh, if you want if you want to lead a hymn a certain way, especially in a way that's printed slightly differently, you have to be really clear about that in your introduction. And then, you know, it might take people a stanza of the hymn to catch on to that, but but certainly by the second stanza, the congregation will follow you. Yeah. 
But I just think it rarely happens so readily as with those two hymns because people really are like it really is sort of built into the way that people want to sing those hymns and experience yeah, those hymns. Yeah. And, and I don't want to say that there's anything wrong with, you know, singing the hymn in the plain chant notation out of the hymnal. And I have done that for many years. I just, I just finally decided. I think I want to try it this other way, and and I don't want to, I don't want to bounce back and forth. I'm, I'm going to stick to this now. Yeah. Now that I've decided. No, I think, but but it's it's interesting because I have been places that do sing it that way, and I mean, in unless it's somewhere that has done it that way for 15 years, mm-hmm. um, there's always a sense in which it's swimming upstream. Or yeah. it feels like it, at least. Yeah, I think it's it's making people work harder than they need to in that particular hymn. I don't think people need to work that hard to sing it. Yeah. The, the other really big part of my calculation was nobody else does it this way. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so I think there there is also well, a little. Well, why the, I I think the question then becomes why is the rest of the world so wrong? Right. I mean that's always the Episcopal uh, worldview, isn't it? Why is the rest <laughs> of the world different than us? You know, there there is another hymn that I that I make a change in Advent too. And oh yeah. Well, I, I guess I, I sort of need to give credit to these carol services that I listen to in England, because the the presentation of these hymns in England is is slightly different than you see in the Episcopal hymnal. Um, the other one is hymn seventy six. On Jordan's bank. Oh yeah. Um, the Episcopal hymnal just has that little breath mark halfway through. The uh-huh. Lord is nigh. And so you want to catch like a little breath there and go on. Um, but I actually hold it out for three full beats. And I think that's that's the way that um, it's notated in some other hymnals, including the English hymnal. Actually, I have one here. I better check that. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. These, these little changes, I think, sort of just help the congregation follow along. Yeah. Do you also have a musicalicious handbook? Oh, that, is that the source of that hymn? Yeah, that's where the melody is from. So I figure you you might want to just check that since it's probably <laughs> sitting right there on your shelf. I don't have that. <laughs> I, I don't have the source of that hymn handy. It's not it's not entirely like that on the um it's not entirely like that in the English hymnal. There there's a fermata at the end of every phrase. Hmm. So I guess it's just convention maybe holding it out at the halfway point so people can catch up. Well, isn't the fermata sort of uh, at your discretion, or is there a, is there an accepted uh, norm for how long that means holding it? Well, the fermata itself, that uh, some people call it the bird's eye. It's yeah. the, curved, the curved line with a dot centered underneath it. Um, that, it, yeah, when you see that normally, it means hold it out kind of as long as you want. If you're in a choir, it means hold it out as long as the conductor wants. Right. <laughs> but the other convention with that mark in a German chorale is it simply marks the ends of the phrases. So in, in the English hymnal, I think that's what it's done. It's a German melody. So it's marking the ends of each of the four phrases. Hmm. So I, I don't actually know where that convention of holding out the, the halfway point comes. I have to have to delve into that a little bit more.
Did I, uh, so did I tell you what I'm, what I'm doing this Advent? No, I don't think you did. So, uh, we have a, a, like a Thursday night formation series. And, uh, Mm -hmm. so this past Lent, I did a a Bible study on sin, uh, which was actually really well received and we had a lot of fun, uh, go figure talking (laughs) about sin. But, uh, but this year I'm doing, we're doing three hymn text studies so instead of a bible study we're looking at three different advent hymns and using those as sort of fodder for our discussion okay so we're doing uh comfort comfort you my people lo he comes with clouds descending and uh creator of the stars of night those are all excellent choices yeah and just so theologically rich like if you I mean, we lament sometimes the fact that Advent has lost a lot of its depth and that people don't really seem to get what Advent's really about. But, like, you could do a lot worse than those three hymns if you just, if you just have a f- familiarity with those. They, they sort of summarize what Advent's about for you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let me ask you then, since you're, since you're delving into the words of those hymns, um, someone had raised sort of the anti-Semitic bent in Wesley's Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Okay. Um, I guess it's the deeply wailing verse. So, um, those who set at naught and sold him, pierced and nailed him to the tree. I guess I've, I've always seen that as just sort of a sort of narrative portion of the hymn where it sort of explains um, what happened at the end of Jesus' earthly life. Yeah, but um, then I then I sort of backed up and and read what the phrase is really saying there, and the ones who have the deep whales, I guess is is meant to be the Jews. So, are are we still fully comfortable singing that that verse, if it could really be perceived to be anti-Semitic in that way? Uh, I you know I th- I think that's a that's a jump, right? Um. Well, well, so and and I hear what you're saying. I guess the person the person who made this argument to me said, when Wesley wrote this, his intention w- would would not have been placing himself in that role, but would have been um, ascribing it to the Jews. And I, I don't know that that's fair or not. But uh, his, I mean, have you had a historical reading of this text that would that would lead you to to question whether that was whether this is okay? Well, I I mean I think he probably did not mean to, for himself to be included in that number. Uh, I think that's a fair reading of Wesley there, but um, I think it's a jump to say that these specific people mentioned are meant to be stand-ins for all Jews at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean like that's the that's the same problem you have with misreadings of John not with what John is is actually saying when he tries to talk about this right okay but just to just to be clear on that point i guess the fulcrum of the reading hinges on the word of those right those who said it not and sold him well but it's but it's i mean but it's qualified it's clarified like those who set it not and sold him the people who actually sold him pierced and nailed him to the tree so it's 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 qualifying that those and saying these are the these are the those I'm talking about and I don't know enough about Wesley's intention behind this to say that this is what he meant 
but a perfectly acceptable reading of this, um, you know, so deeply wailing, shall the true Messiah see? Like, if you had been responsible for crucifying the Messiah and then that came to light, wouldn't you wail about it? Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're in hell and suffering for eternity. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think the more the more generous reading of that, the, the way that I would like to read this is, you know, the same way that we kind of place ourselves in the crucifixion narrative on Palm Sunday, literally, by shouting the words, crucify him, crucify him. I mean, it's the same, it's the same kind of thing that this, this stanza of the hymn, um, it's only the second stanza of the hymn takes us to that emotional place um, where we confront, where we confront the crucifixion. Yeah. Yeah. So have you, have you visited this one in your class yet? No, that's uh, next week. Uh, This week we're doing comfort, comfort ye my people. That's, that's definitely a little bit lighter. It is, um, but but rich too in that right. you know that passage from Isaiah that it's basically paraphrasing is uh, is pretty important. That's good. And we will, I say text study, but we will be talking about the tunes some too. Um, but I don't, uh, I'm not an expert on that, so I'm not going to be delving too deeply into it. Well, I don't think you need to be an expert. Just don't bring up St. Thomas. For right. Although he comes with right. heads descending. <laughs> you don't want the controversy that comes along with that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of All Things Right and Musical. If you've enjoyed this episode about Advent hymns, we hope you will tell us about it. You can find us on the web at writeandmusical.org. That's spelled R-I-T-E and musical.org. You can also follow the hosts and the show on Twitter. Please take a minute to rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to it. A special thanks to our generous patrons who support this show on Patreon. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.